0: Welcome to the Archives Room podcast. In this podcast, we'll be taking a deep dive into some of the most interesting moments in PREP's history and hearing some of PREP's most notable alumni and faculty give first-person accounts of these events. So please join me as we take a trip into the Archive Room. In recent months at Prep, we've seen the opening of the Lannan Learning Commons, the latest addition to the campus. But many students today may be unaware of what previously occupied part of that ground, the Tin Gym, a name fondly remembered by nearly 40 years of Prep students. You see, in 1972, Prep athletics faced a rather large problem. The school had outgrown its current athletic facilities the Mullen Gym, which at that time was home to five basketball teams, PE classes, and a makeshift weight room, was simply not big enough to support all of these needs. Something had to be done. Brother Mike Wilmot, Jesuit, dean of students, and longtime varsity basketball coach, spearheaded the solution. On a razor-thin budget, Brother Wilmot and hundreds of volunteers began construction of a new gym. It was built adjacent to the Mullen Gym, and a short underground passage connected the two. I sat down with Mr. Pat Neary, Director of Communications at PrEP, to learn more about the construction of the gym and its use in those early years.
1: I mean, it was a very, very simple building. It was, uh, again, a a pretty simple metal structure. Imagine something with a metal roof, a a metal siding. Um, And it was only just about the length of a basketball court, just beyond that. And then it had a tile floor... Which, so, wasn't a traditional wood floor like we had in the Mullen gym. It was more like a hard tile surface that eventually got replaced when the Mullen gym floor was upgraded. And the the original Mullen gym floor from 1958 was then moved into the tin gym.
0: This small and rather austere gym certainly had its fair share of use, even outside of the standard athletic charter. While it frequently hosted basketball tournaments, practices, and games, it also housed live auction items in the early days of Bash, the tradition of which started only a year prior to the gym's construction. Most students at prep today are familiar with the various dances and events that are usually held in the commons. However, if you travel back in time to the late 70s and 80s, many of these same extracurricular activities were given their start in the Tin Gym. Uh,
1: but outside of practices in Bash, the other thing that happened in there, Andrew, was sock with and, you know, dances. So a lot of bands from Omaha, some from Minneapolis would cycle through here. The student council would uh, somehow get them to agree to to play at prep for a certain price. Uh, One of the bands that was in there before they got really famous was REO Speedwagon. That was 1974. Wow. And uh, we had, uh, yeah, and those were very popular. In fact, the Mullen Gym was basically just used for kids going in and out, but it was from, it was kids from, you know, Prep, Duchenne, Marion, Mercy, um, those, those were really, really big, uh, big events. But they were almost always, in the early years, held in there. I think later on the Mullen Gym hosted some, um, but there was, a, there was a pretty constant slate of them, especially during the fall football season. So there were many times where you'd go to a Prep football game and there'd be a dance afterwards. That would go to maybe 11.30 midnight, something like that.
0: Despite being constructed well after the original parts of Prep's campus, the Tin Gym saw a tremendous amount of history. Most notably, the 1975 F4 tornado, which tore through Central Omaha, demolishing everything in its path as it traveled up 72nd Street.
1: Uh, May 6, 1975, when the tornado hit Prep, believe it or not, most of the school was very heavily damaged. The one building that didn't get damaged very much at all was the tingium, which when you think about the prep physical plant, that building was probably the most vulnerable to something like a tornado. Um, But what happened is when that that tornado occurred and they did an assessment of the school and decided uh, to cancel classes for the rest of the academic year, which was only gonna be another two or three weeks anyway, What happened Andrews is if you were a student here at Prep, they set the teachers up in the tin gym and you could walk in there, and this is in the days following the tornado, uh, and ask your teacher for your current grade in that class. And the teacher would tell you what that was. and Then you had the option to either take that grade or sit there um, and take the final. and I think a number of people just decided to take their grades and go home for the summer. <laughs> um, but that way, it was interesting that that became, um, you know, the, the sort of the one area where they could operate a little bit of the school after the tornado.
0: After 37 years of use, the Tim Gym was demolished in 2009 to make way for the addition of the Hyder Center on the east side of campus. But even in his retirement, the Tim Gym found a way to leave an indelible mark on prep history.
1: When the Tinjin was demolished in September of 2009, one of the construction workers who was in charge or working on the demolishing, saw a shiny object in the rubble and got off his crane or bulldozer, uh, picked it up and saw that it was a class ring. And he gave it to Mr. Groff, who was a science teacher um, here at the time, And I think still substitute teaches here. And Mr. Groff came down to the advancement office and turned it into our office. And it was a class of 1978 ring. And inscribed in it were the initials KS. And so we ran a a database listing of everybody in that class. And there's only one KS in that class. It's a gentleman named Kevin Salisbury who... um, by then was living in Northern California and we actually called him and he was shocked that we had found his class ring and he said that he remembered exactly when he lost it. He was in a pickup basketball game in the winter of 1978 and it flew off in, in the midst of the game and they looked for it everywhere. Um, I suspect what happened is that the gym floor in there went almost to the, to the insulation, not quite. So there was a little, um, a little bit of room that surrounded the floor, just a little bit. And I suspect it, it slid into the space between the gym floor and the insulation or behind one of the um, posts that was used to hold up uh, the roof. But just think of that. You know, uh, 40 years later, um, and outside of a little patina on it because of age, it looked perfect, and we and we did send it back to him. So that's not a story that's that's well known. But just imagine the chances of a guy who is tearing down a building like that seeing something like that in the rubble. I mean, very small chance, right? And um, for us to For him to be able to pick it up take it to Mr. Groff and for us to get it and then look up to see who it was and get it back to him um, that 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 will go down in some prep history for sure.
0: While the tin gym may not stand today its legacy continues throughout Omaha both in the minds of prep alumni and under the feet of a new generation of basketball players.
1: The the gentleman who helped originally architect The Heider Center and some of the other things uh, that went in with the new addition in 2009, Joe Brodney, who was class of 74, worked with prep to get the floor from the tin gym, moved over to St. Joan of Arc, and I think it was refinished in their gym, and I think it's still in use today. I'm not sure, but I think it is. Um, So it lives on there. A piece of it lives on there. Um, But certainly it's where a lot of kids... Um, you know, started their basketball careers that and bash uh, and the dances. So many guys from the 70s and 80s uh, would remember the dances in that in that um, tin gym. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of history there.
0: I'd like to give a special word of thanks to Mr. Pat Neary and Mr. Greg Glenn for helping me research this episode. Written and produced by Andrew Hood. Date of recording, 9-30-2020.